Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. Okay. Well, we're at the final page. We made it. Let's see. Okay. Let's um, let's start from the uh, the Gemara yesterday. Iboilahu. So um, this last Mishnah has a number of uh, um, interesting cases. Uh, there are cases where the wife really no longer wants to be in the marriage. Um, sometimes something happened to her. Sometimes something's not. Uh, something's wrong with him, and sometimes uh, she, she's something wrong with her. And so uh, the question is whether or not she's going to be able to get kesuva. Now, there's what we call the Mishnah Rishona and the Mishnah Achrona. In other words, very uh, occasionally you'll have this in the Gemara. If you see the Mishnah, it said Rishona. It's very funny to get this. Originally, in other words, basically they, the ruling was done in one way in the beginning, and then socially they saw people took advantage of it, and then they had to change the rule. And what was happening was that there were a number of, they basically believed the woman, uh, to make a number of claims and entitled her to get divorced with full payouts. And then they found that women who had boyfriends and really the husband had done nothing wrong and the woman wanted to break up the marriage, but she wanted her husband, to pay, her old husband, to pay for her new husband, uh, which is what happens, the, um, and uh, which is really not right if the, for him to have to pay uh, for their honeymoon with her new husband. Uh, but they would, she would be, have a very easy lie to make up to do that. And so then they saw that they couldn't allow these claims without some, uh, some confirmation that what she was saying was true. That was the, so there was the mystery Shona, and then there was the later movement. So uh, therefore we're going, once they saw that and they required some corroboration, that's kind of where we are now. So one of the cases was where something happened that halakhically would make her not able to stay with her husband. And we'll see, uh, the case was that a married woman is not supposed to have relations with another man. Uh, now, if she does it willingly, that's adultery, and she can no longer go back to her husband. She's broken her marriage, so to speak. If she did it where she wasn't willing, uh, then, of course, there's no problem. By a Kohen, the bar is raised, that even if she said she wasn't willing, and again, there's a whole gamut of not being willing, uh, different scenarios where, you know, the, uh, but with the Kohen, even if she said she was forced, uh, technically, she sh- uh, halakhically, she's not supposed to remain with her husband. So we said, though, that we can't believe a woman who says that if it, it may just be an excuse that she's fallen in love with another man without some kind of proof, some kind of, uh, they say, a raya, a proof that this happened. Where was the other man? How, when was she alone? What was the, there was the alibi. How do we know? Where was her husband? You know, the, but meanwhile, if she doesn't have a proof, uh, she would stay with her husband. Um, I don't remember if we had time to do this yesterday in this class. There's a long run over here that's trying to figure this out. Um, how could it be that really if she is forbidden, let's say she did commit adultery, but since we don't believe her, she stays with her husband. But isn't she doing a sin? How can the rabbis tell her to stay with her husband 
if uh, because uh, of the case where she got a boyfriend and uh, she's using that as an excuse to get him to pay ksuva, uh, when she's really not supposed to be with him if she committed adultery. So what's the mechanism that the rabbis allow them to stay together? Uh, so did, did we do that? We didn't do that. So it's a fascinating uh, run. Uh, that's the... Um, we can let's let's take a quick look at it. We still uh, we have it's a short off today because of Ahmed Bey's, and we also just got a few stories that uh, that. Uh, but anyway, the Ikalamedic. Let's look at this run now. Uh, it's the last probably wide run that we'll get a chance to do. And the uh, Ikalamedic. You could ask Amasnisen on our Mishnah, Kiv and the Medina. The halacha is Medin means according to the Din Omra Tmeyanilach when a woman says that I became impure, I had relations with another man, uh, in this case, even if she wasn't willing, by a Kohen, Mitzra Abala, Commissioner Rishona, the original halacha is, we are on a run on yesterday's daf, the last wide run, probably that we'll have a chance to do for a while. But uh, the question is the following. Again, we said the basic halacha is that if a woman had relations with another man and she's the wife of a Kohen, willing or unwilling, She's not allowed, uh, she shouldn't be with her husband. That's the halacha. So, Mitzra Abala, she's forbidden to her husband, Commissioner Rishonah, but the Mishnah Rishonah said, uh, that Commissioner Rishonah, that was the original halacha. So, the question is, just because we don't want her to uh, decide that she wants another man, how could they allow her to stay? with her previous husband, where did the forbiddenness go? How can we just say, oh, forget about it, no proof, okay, stay married to him. But what do you mean? She's forbidden to him. She's a cheeseburger to him. She's she's usher. And some people say, uh, really, according to the halacha, a woman who has relations with another man is forbidden to her husband. In this case, the rabbis permitted her. And it's rabbinic law. The rabbis were able to override the Torah law over here. That's the way some people learn, that society can't have women who can just have a boyfriend and make the old husband pay for it. That's setting a, a, that sets up a terrible situation. Any woman can marry a rich, a wealthy husband, and then when she gets someone else, she could make him uh, pay out, you know, a huge payout for, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, and uh, they, in order to prevent that, they allowed her to stay with the husband. So the question is, is there, are the rabbis allowed to look the other way on a halacha? Can they make such a rule? Do they, is, how far does rabbinic power go? That's really the question. Can the rabbis choose to ignore the fact that maybe she had relations with another man and will stay with her husband. So the first view is maybe they could, and they can nullify a Torah law. And what's the reason? In order to make offense. say uh, In a positive way, to get this is important fence, that you don't want women finding other boyfriends and dumping their husband very easily. So our question now that the Ron has to deal with is where do you see the rabbis have such power? Now, you do find, for example, on Shofar on Shabbos that they could say, don't blow it uh, because it'll lead to... But there, 
It's not that they're going and doing something. They just said, don't do that mitzvah. That, it's a bit to say. The question is, the most they could do is say, don't do it. Don't blow the shofar. Or they say, once in a while, they allow you to do something positive that the Torah doesn't allow. One time think. Uh, you know, no, don't tell anybody, but Elio broke the Torah uh, when he allowed sacrifices outside the temple. Elio was trying to wean the ten tribes back to Hashem, and so he, needed, he wanted, as a one-time thing, he brought a sacrifice outside the base of Migdash. That's breaking the halacha. So how could he do it? Did Elio Anavi you know, go against Hashem? So it could be he was a rabbi, and for a one-time thing, maybe you could do such a thing. But, Avulidoros, but all generations to have husbands live with wives that might have been compromised, how could they do it? So he doesn't like, the Ran has problems with that pshat, that uh, the, oh, the rabbis could just institute it for social reasons. Um, it basically, we're saying, again, there's a certain percentage of women who are unfaithful but that's better than allowing them easily to get divorced and have the husband pay for it. He says, I'm not bothered by it. He, has, he wants to introduce a new idea. They call the Mekadosh a day to Anytime you get married, the laws of marriage are, are, are regulated by the rabbis. In fact, you say, I'm getting married according to the laws of Moshe of Israel. And the rabbis can remove the marriage. They can unmarry you. In other words, you say, I give the, I, I'm using the, the vehicle that the rabbis instituted, that the Torah gave the rabbis the right to legislate. So here also, if a woman says, I uh, had relations with another man, so the rabbis can unmarry her. So that she didn't commit adultery. When she had relations, they made her retroactively be single. And at the time where she had those relations, since she was single, she won't become forbidden to her husband. And this would allow her even to eat truma. So that's the Ran's shot. That the way it works is that they made her single. So they all mention, according to the Ran, she'll have to get remarried. <laughs> A new chasana. In other words, they've been married 20 years. Well, they're... They unmarried her because since they had this messy thing where she had relations with another man and a married woman that would have relations is terrible. They're terrible ramifications. She becomes forbidden to her husband for life. So all they had to do was remove the marriage retroactively so that it turned out that she was single. And even though it's not good that a single woman has relations, but it wouldn't forbid her to, uh, to her future husband. Blue Rabbi Shine. Twice. First was the original husband who... Right. It's out of marriage. And then the second time... Right. And so now we, say, we, yeah. we still have a halamina that she can go back... That, that's the halacha. The halacha is... She can eat truma? Uh, uh, no, 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 she can't go back to a kohen. No, she could. She could. A kohen is allowed to marry a woman who had out of marriage relations. As long as it wasn't with somebody forbidden to her. Correct. That's so it's not it. like she's got to get. Right. So she got to get, she get Correct. That's right. That's wow. what I thought. Oh, so there's no divorce. No divorce, right. Oh, sorry. Right. Sorry. right. 
So, my middle question is: So, how is Kedushin more of a rabbinical in the, their domain more than any other mitzvah the Torah? Because you say Kedas Moshe of Israel. I am getting married to you, however you rabbis legislate, however the, the laws of Moshe say marriage works, I'm, I'm giving that over to you. So our real question is, if Minna Torah, she's forbidden to her husband, how could the rabbi say, well, we don't, we're worried about maybe she's lying, so let's look the other way and say she could stay married to him. But wouldn't that be forbidden if she's telling the truth? So our answer is the rabbis can legislate that she'll be technically unmarried when these relations took place, and then she wouldn't be forbidden to stay with her husband. And that's within rabbinic purview. But he just adds, let's continue in the run. So when she got violated and she said that she had relations, she was forced, she has to say she was forced by a kosher man. She was forced by a person who was a Jew. But if she said that she, that she has to ask the guy that's raping her, are you um, somebody who a Jewish person would become invalid by being... If he's a mamzer, so then this wouldn't work. Then she can't go back to her husband. And he says it doesn't really distinguish. It doesn't really say that. It doesn't say that it depends on who she was uh, raped by. It doesn't say that. So the second pshat has questions on it. So now he brings a third pshat. Vacherim, Tirtsu. And other people answer. When the first Mishnah said that a woman who's married, who was raped, Cohen's wife can't stay with her because we, halachically, we accept her testimony and her husband's not allowed to be with her. That's not the halacha. He wants to say that halachically uh, a, a woman isn't believed, it doesn't have uh, halachic status to forbid her. She's married to him, and if she tells us something happened, that would not halachically require him to get divorced from her. But the rabbis understood that we believe the victim, that in most cases when a woman says something like that, uh, she's believable. They, they, they made a law to believe her. Because had it not been true, it's embarrassing for her to say that this happened. And she, in most cases, she wouldn't have invented it. Um, this, by the way, we've... The, the, the social workers have discovered that uh, uh, when most, in most cases when these uh, people claim that they were abused, most of the time they're telling the truth, even though the person's entitled to a, to a trial and you have to know. And, and again, uh, who, maybe he's the unlucky one where this woman made it up. It's uncomfortable for a woman to say those types. It's not, it's not natural for most women. Now, again, you, sometimes a person, there are plenty of women that make a livelihood out of claiming types of abuse or other things that never happened. That's a different story. But the majority, though, are, are believable. So, but when the later rabbis saw that it was happening, that these women were not believable, that uh, all the, you know, they put a TikTok out, it's so easy to get divorced to get a payout if you meet a new husband. So then they went back to the original halacha 
that they're not required to, to uh, follow on the wife's... Uh, you need real testimony to break up a marriage. And uh, they, it's actually the halacha that if a Kohen... If a Kohen well, so anyways, that's, that's the, the third shot in the Ran, that our question was, how can we allow him to stay married if this really happened? And the answer is that the Torah only legislates that he get divorced if there's real testimony if that, to this something that happened. It was done in a way that people knew about it and witnessed. And if something happened privately, he's saying he's not required to get uh, divorced. Um, even though she's told him it happened, uh, he's not, they wouldn't be required to, if, they, if they decided they wanted to stay married, they could, according to this chat. And later on, so initially, because we tended to believe her, and we understood that uh, they, they felt that it... Um, they, and again, there is this question. They talk about it's important that these women feel that they're believed. We're in the Me Too movement, right? That they feel that uh, if they feel that they're not believed, that makes it worse. And th- this was a big discussion. You know, this, uh, so they, the rabbis originally instituted that we should believe them in order that they... Uh, part of the healing process is that people take them seriously, that they... Uh, uh, but... Then they saw that it created this other problem where you had these other types of women who were just using that as an excuse to dump their husbands. Uh, therefore, they went back to the Torah law. Got three different pshatim over here and what's going on in the Gemara. Okay, back to the Gemara. Um, so, uh, but this question is, what can she eat truma, this woman who... Um, the dilemma here is that she says something happened and it may have happened and changed the halachic status, but there's not testimony, and we need testimony. Halacha requires testimony, independent testimony. And she, by the way, is not an independent person. Something may have happened, but she certainly wouldn't be impartial to, uh, to judge what happened. So maybe something terrible did happen, but we, we kind of need to know, um, uh, kind of need to know uh, before we're going to destroy a, a person's life or create changes in her life, we need testimony. That's a, that's a reasonable requirement. And uh, the question, though, is what about Truma? So back to the Gemara. That was all a backdrop to the uh, Gemara. Let's begin the Gemara again. Uh, the wife tells the husband something happened. So, uh, and she said, I, I wasn't willing. I didn't, I didn't want to. I told him no, and he forced me. So he said, well, why'd you get in bed with her, you know, with him or whatever? So it's not, it's difficult to know, by the way, when, when we say a woman was forced, we are looking at a, assuming that the woman was totally innocent. It's possible that she went further, that she used bad judgment and just maybe she hadn't planned on going all the way and, uh, and maybe she's, uh, she did the wrong things too. We don't know. Again, it's, there's so many factors we don't know. But she says something happened, and she's the wife of a Kohen. So can't she eat truma meanwhile? So I would have said, let her stop eating truma. If she, she's, she knows what happened, and if she, we're, the husband's not required to believe her, and we're not required to break up the marriage, but if she knows that she did do something that physically made her uh, a, a woman who has relations with some, uh, has physical relation with somebody that would make her invalid to to eat truma anymore, she would stop eating truma. It's a big sin to eat truma if you're not supposed to. So Rishesh says, "Oh, she's still she should still eat. Shalototzi loves She shouldn't be from and not eat because then her sons who are kohanim people are going to say 
there's something with her mother. <laughs> her mother's not eating truma. That tells us that she's not Kohen fit. Rabbi says she shouldn't eat. She can eat regular food. What's the big deal? Even Rosheshes would admit, she miss Alma, when she's no longer married to the Kohen, that she should stop eating truma. The whole problem was that people might whisper about her kids. Maybe she was not Kohen eligible when she married Mr. Cohen. But now that she's divorced or widowed, Omar they would understand that now she's not Kohen eligible. But when she married him, especially if she was divorced, of course she's not Kohen eligible. She's, now she's divorced and, or something happened. Omar Rapapa. Rapapa said the fine. Bodaklan Rafa. Rafa, he said, Find out the halacha, Aisha's Kohen Shenensa, a wife of a Kohen who we know had relations with somebody else. Yesh lo ksuva, e lo ksuva. Does she get a payout or not? And she says uh, that she didn't do it willingly. So, kivin the onus legabe Kohen. Now, normally, with a, uh, when a wife, even if it turns out that she was coerced, a Kohen's not supposed to stay with her. Karatzon legabe Yisrael. It's similar to a case where a w- woman willingly had relations with an Israelite husband that she has to get divorced, and over there she willingly has relations, ain't lo ksuva. So here also she doesn't get the ksuva. Or maybe she can say to Mr. Cohen, Anna hai, chazina, I'm really fit to be a, a wife. I didn't do, there's nothing wrong with me. If I was married to Israel, I could still stay married. The gavra who didn't stop the day, he has bad luck that he's a Kohen, and the Torah prohibits the. Uh, uh, meaning that a person can have a field if you're a farmer, and through no fault of your own, there's bad weather, it destroys your crop. And there's nothing you could do about it. It just, it just happens. So uh, that's, that's Hashem did that. So too, um, this Kohen had a wife, and through no fault of his own, something happened that uh, ruined her. But that's not, um, that's not her fault. This was, she didn't control that this other man overpowered her or whatever. And so that was the question. How do we look at this woman who claims uh, that uh, something happened or we know something happened and she's going to get divorced? Uh, Again, earlier we said he doesn't have to believe her if there's no evidence. But assuming there is some evidence, it's it's not in dispute that she had relations. The question is, uh, and it's not in dispute that she didn't ask for it. uh, So the question is, does she get folks over or not? So we said, Masnisenhi, we can prove it for our Mishnah. Second line from the top on Sariyala. Almeris Tmeyanilach. We learned in our Mishnah if the wife says that I was made violated, I should get Suva. What's the case? Yisrael. If it's her husband's in Yisrael, Ibaratzon. And if she had relations willingly, Kulum Suva. A wife that has relations with another man isn't entitled to the payout. The Iba Ones. And if she was forced to have relations, me commits her al-gavra with the wife of Israel. She's not forbidden to stay with her husband if she was violated against her will. Ella, clearly the case of the Mishnah was Ba'ish's Kohen, the wife of a Kohen. Iba Ratzon, and if she willingly had relations with somebody besides her husband, Kulum Yeshua there'd be nothing to talk about that we're not going to give her Ksuva if she commits adultery. Me Gara Ma'ish's Israel Baratzon, it wouldn't be any different than a wife of Israel that committed adultery that she doesn't let Ksuva. The Mishnah was talking about where she was forced. And slam dunk, we resolved that. The woman is entitled to ksuva if she wasn't willing. Okay, next question. 
Uh, I understood why that was even a to be honest. I would say even if she made mistakes, meaning she was where she shouldn't have been. She was alone with a strange man, but she hadn't intended to have relations. She just wanted to, it was a friend of hers, and she just intended to um, have a discussion or to get together. And uh, men, boys can be, some boys are, are not, not uh, act, he acted improper and forced her. So you might have said she's not entitled to Suva because she put, her, <coughs> she put herself in that situation. Uh, so the, but she didn't agree to go that far, and so she is entitled to Ksuva. That's, that's a little bit more understanding of what the Havamita would be. In other words, she, in, in a case where even she, it's proven that she, what was she doing there with him? You know? What was she doing in the hotel or whatever? What was she doing wherever it was, right? That's what this is all about. Uh, that, that could be, that's what it's all about. Um, okay, Iboilu, next question. She says that her husband divorced her, and that's why... Uh, and he says, no, I didn't. So do we believe her? So Omer Evam Nuna Tashma. Omer is Well, if she says, uh, I became impure, I feel a mission even according to the last Tazlani, uh, the last, the way we came out in the end, the way we don't believe her, Hasu de Mishakra, there she might lie and claim that she uh, was forced. She knows that the husband will never know. She, the husband will never know. He wasn't there where she was coerced. So she can claim that against him, and there's no way he can prove that she wasn't. Nobody else was there. So the, the reason a wife would claim that is that nobody's going to disprove her if she says uh, she, she needs to get divorced because she was coerced. But where she says, my husband gave me a divorce, he knows whether he gave a divorce or not. So... The Mehemna, we believe her because A woman can't look her husband in the eye and tell a white lie. And by the way, the old days, people really believed that. You know, come and tell it to my face. And they, today it's ridiculous. You, are, you don't even, because people will lie in your face. That means you don't. You're going to lie. But in the old days, people would have not been able to look you in the eye and lie to you. But today we laugh at that. You see that in the old movies, because you know. But today, unfortunately, people have that much chutzpah. But in the old days, somebody to lie in your face—who would do such a thing? Amalei Rava. Rava says, "Ad Rava." He says, "I feel the missionary shown, even according to the original halacha, where we believe the woman who says she was violated." Woman wouldn't voluntarily embarrass herself. It's an embarrassing thing to say. That's why we believe her that she came forward. Sometimes she gets angry with her husband. Uh, uh, she'll have the chutzpah to say that. So, you know, when people get angry, especially, the, uh, uh, the, you know what they say, that the, 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 the husband or wife, Isha, Isha, they have the name of Hashem in their names. But if you take the Hashem out of the marriage, you have Aish, fire. And you see that, that the husband and wife can be so close, but, you know, they, when they... Uh, un- uh, unfortunately, sometimes where they get divorced or whatever, they, they, could, they get very fiery towards each other. They're fire. And so maybe she would have the chutzpah to say that. So we, we were not, so far we haven't proven our question. Yeah. In the case of the divorce, why don't we just ask her to show the document? I lost it. Can't find it. <laughs> okay, so... Do we believe her or not? Do we, uh, do we believe her? 
Well, uh, she can she she just wants to get remarried, and uh, they said, "Weren't you married to someone?" Oh, I got divorced. So, um, do we believe her or not? Would she be? Right. So let's assume that we don't find any other information. Would we allow her to remarry? Um, today it happens that people. Uh, they come out of Russia or they come from a different country. Oh, many, many years ago when they were young, they were briefly married, but oh, that was all, they got a divorce. So uh, the question is, many, many years later, um, well, can, what, what do we do? Can we let her marry now or not? You know, that we can, it was 20 years ago, it was a different city. Uh, there's no, you know, she never thought she'd have to, you know, the, so what's, could we believe her? So if Sharsha wants to bring a proof, this is one of the things that we only had in Gittin, that the word mesiv is, is for a proof. Usually it means a question. Mesiv, mesharsha, hashamayim, beinu lebeinach. The original halacha where she said he doesn't shoot arrows. Where she says the husband is impotent. And uh, that's why she wants divorced. That this is something that only Hashem knows, the heavens know. The missionary, shona tufta, the rava. Over there, uh, we clearly proved that we believe the woman to say that... Uh, uh, there's a reason uh, that I, I can't be that I I'm entitled to a divorce, so um, we and we believe her. So here, where she says I got the divorce, why wouldn't we believe her? So the word says hacha the less like sufa. Over there, where she says it's his fault, and there's no reason. Uh, it's not embarrassing for her to say he's impotent. <laughs> not embarrassing for her to say he doesn't shoot arrows. and there she's believed. So we see, we believe women uh, about uh, claims that their husband uh, divorced them. If, if we, the only reason that we first, our first answer was, we, it's true we believe her when she says something embarrassing that m- if most women wouldn't say it unless it was true. But it comes out we believe them when it's even not embarrassing, where it's about him. The answer is, Kasava Rava Hasam Kimin de Losagile de Lo Amra. Over there, it wouldn't be enough if she didn't have the claim that he was impotent. Had it not been as she had said, lo um, amra, uh, she wouldn't have said it. it. It's also, we're trying to say that there's belief also that she came up with such a story. Um, and that it's also a little bit embarrassing to say uh, such a thing, to talk about their intimacy in front of the Bezdin. Um so the Morris says, Hashem, uh, if they, she wouldn't It would have been a question on the Over here, she knows that she didn't get divorced. and the husband knows that he didn't. Viktani delo mehemna, and uh, and uh, it, we learned that we don't believe her. Kesava revenuna hachanami he gufa amra. So the question is, why would we believe her over there and not believe her over here by the divorce? So the Gemara says, Reb Mnuna will say that she, yada, that even though she knows if she had relations, how would she know if he's shooting arrows or not? How would she know? She would know if they had relations, but 
would she know if those, if he if his parts were working correctly or not? She's not a she's not a urologist or whatever. Miyada, there she can make up a lie because there's really no there's no evidence. But over here he knows that she's lying. And so there's more of a reason um not to uh um uh, uh more of a reason to believe her. Okay. That's on the assumption that he doesn't know that he's impotent. Well, there's there's two kinds of impotence. One is that he doesn't uh, doesn't have relations at all. The other is that th- that impotence was that it didn't shoot arrows, meaning that it came out, but it didn't come out with a force. Uh, uh, that that ex- he wouldn't know that. Apparently not. Apparently he wouldn't know that it's. Uh, okay. um, it could mean that he has seed, but not enough to have a child or whatever or the something like that. Um, let's do a run. Maybe it'll make it a little more clear. Um, let's go to the left side. Um, uh, let's go let's start from Hasam Kivindalo Sagidalo Amra. Over there, where it's about a third of the way from the top. It wouldn't be enough if she didn't say it. The Ain Yorika that he doesn't shoot arrows. Elav she wouldn't have said it. She's going to need to clarify, tell the Basin about their private things. She says that this is something that Hashem knows. She's going to have to be very descriptive. That he's not shooting the arrows. It's not a, women are embarrassed to talk about you know, what happened over there, even though it's him. That also, so again, she's embarrassed to say that she was that she was violated. That's embarrassing to talk about. Embarrassing to that that brings back the pain and the suffering. That's that's embarrassing. But it's also embarrassing to talk about even if it's him, nothing to do with her. It's still embarrassing. That's what the second. That's what the more wants. So that's why we tend to believe somebody if they seem to come forward with something that would be embarrassing. There must be truth in. Mister Garzakim the Kasai Klomer. Why would she invent such a thing? Where, who taught her to say? How do women even know that kind of thing? It must be there's some truth to it. You would think over here. Originally, the Gemara assumed that the husband also knew if he was shooting arrows, and we don't uh, we don't believe him to say I'm not. So the Gemara says, no, husbands don't necessarily know if the arrows, if that's the problem. Even though they know that he had relations, would she have known if he's shooting like an arrow? Uh, That when it said the heavens are between us, what did it mean? It meant that she was saying he doesn't shoot the arrows. Okay, let's continue on. Now let's get to the story part. Okay, three lines from the bottom. I don't know why. The Gemara wants to finish off with a bunch of stories. Uh, there are a lot of halacha behind the stories, but there are a bunch of stories. Uh, believe it or not, the Shilas and Chuvas Forum are full of similar stories. It's shocking. You would think these things never happen. Uh, they do, unfortunately. But thank God, to us, they seem uh, not, not uh, hopefully, they, they don't sound normal. Hai Isisa, there was a, call, a woman, the Kol Yoma de Tashmish. She was a very romantic woman. After they had relations, the halacha is that you're supposed to wash three times after a husband and wife have relations, just like when you wake up in the morning, uh, because it, it's similar also when a person leaves the cemetery. Uh, relations have to do with life and death, creating life. So they have to wash their hands to purify themselves. 
So she was a very good wife. She would bring her husband the water after they had relations. So the kol yom the tashmish any day time that any time they had relations mati mashiyada the gavra. She went and she brought him water. Isn't that sweet? Yom achad one day. Uh, he, she brings him the water. She brings him the water to, to do the triple wash on his hands. He said to her, we didn't have relations today. What are you bringing me the water? She says, gulp. It wasn't you? Let's turn the page. Oh, it must have been one of the goyim who was outside you know, the perfume sellers that uh, were traveling through uh, you know, it was dark. They, maybe the they didn't have bolt locks in those days. And uh, somebody, um, this is the uh, Shulamis Basdivri story in Egypt, where the husband was uh, sent out to work early in the morning. You know, when it's pitch black, and somebody climbs into bed. You know, they they, they wouldn't necessarily. The, sometimes they wouldn't know who's doing the action. And so she was saying, now the only problem. Uh, is that she was married to a Kohen. So, uh, um, so over here, if it's not me, the husband said, maybe it was them. So she wants to get divorced now and get a full payout. So do we believe her or not? We say, perhaps... She has her eyes on another man, and she invented this story. This is not testimony. This is uh, hearsay. You know, she, she brought him the water. She was convinced that she had relations with someone. He knew it wasn't him, but that's not testimony. So he's, we, don't, we don't let them get, uh, uh, get divorced with a payout because of that. Next story. There was another woman the next morning. She was angry with her man. In other words, the husband noticed that uh, the wife seemed upset with him. So the husband said, uh, why, why, why today are you so upset? She said to him, You hurt me last night. In other words, you were never so, you were rough in the bed last night. You were never so painful as you were last night. The husband turned pink. And I wasn't with you last night. She said, if you weren't, it must have been one of the goyim. Who, uh, were, there were a lot of traveling salesmen in those days. Um, in the old days, they used to have jokes about the milkmen. You know, that uh, the women, uh, uh, you know, the, there was somebody there. Maybe it's him. So they, rent, well, they went to the rabbi with this story. Reb Nachman said, The husband does not need to get divorced. Uh, she's just, uh, maybe she has eyes for someone else. And that's why she uh, brought that story. Story number three. Ahu gavra David maharzik bebesa. There was a man that was in a married woman's bedroom, the Issa'o. And the wife was there, and this strange man was there. I don't know, the bedroom, in the, in the room in the house alone. Asa Mori Debesa, the husband came home. Prat Noyef Lahutsi, this other boyfriend, uh, this man, ran out of the house and he broke the panfrand. 
when they, they used to have uh, uh, window screens made of, uh, of, of reeds. And he broke through the reed wall to get out of there real quick. Uh, husbands who find other men uh, in their house um, are very likely going to do violence to them. And, and especially old days, people had weapons on them. Uh, uh, if she were to find this guy in the house alone with his wife, uh, so this guy ran through and he broke the reed, uh, reed fence in the house to get out of there. Uh, and ran away. So uh, the husband now comes to base and the wife said nothing happened. He was just coincidence he happened to be in there. So uh, is he required to get divorced? Rava said the wife is permitted. Why? Because if this man had really done something incorrect, he would have hid. In other words, when you run out in front of the other guy, that means you know the identity of the person. If he really had committed adultery, he would have had a guilty conscience. He would have known that you're going to haul him in front of court and uh, uh, sue him and this and that. But the reason he ran and he was willing to take a chance that you would see him is that he knew he wasn't guilty. Uh, so that's what he wants to say. Okay, it's in, this is a new logic that if a person runs away in front of the husband, uh, that if he was really guilty, he would have done any, he would have hid under the bed. So now we're going to get a hiding under the bed story. Okay. Who knoweth? There was that adulterer. The Ola Gabewitsa. Now, in the previous case, we, we don't, we don't, nobody knows what happened, but he, it doesn't, he wasn't an adulterer. He was just a man that happened to be in the house with his wife. In this case, there's an adulterer that we know he went in the house to commit adultery. The Ola Gabewitsa. He went to a certain woman and the husband came in. So Solak Noif Usiv Bekale Bava. And the adulterer hid behind the door. He hid somewhere in the house. Habe Makdin Tikli Tamun. And there was some cress. They ate cress for snacks. Don't ask me how that tastes or not. And the husband walks in the house and he's hungry. And he sees some snacks. I don't know if the, the boyfriend bought the snacks or the wife left the snacks on the table. Uh, so, Vitamnin Chavya. These particular snacks had been eaten by a snake and uh, earlier. Now, the rule was that the snakes in the Middle East were venomous, and once they touched food, it was very dangerous. It was so much so um, that the rabbis instituted that if food is left uncovered in, in Eretz Israel at that time, that you don't eat it. Uh, because it was just so common enough to have snake venom in it. So this adulterer knew that there was snake venom in the cress. Boy And the owner of the house goes to the tickly snacks, uh, goes to eat the cress snacks. Does the arts call it cress? I didn't check what the... Uh, I don't even know. Does anybody know what cress is? It's a vegetable, isn't it? Or? It's an evergreen. Does it taste good? Uh huh. Okay, maybe it was fried or something. I would say But at any rate, uh, so the the husband was going to eat the crest below Daita de Incisa, and his wife wasn't there. His wife was in the powder room. So the only one there is the adulterer, and the adulterer knows that if he eats this crest that the snake ate from, he's going to drop dead. So Omerle, who know if the boyfriend says from under the bed, Lo don't eat it. 
the Tamin and Chavya that the snake ate it. So, uh, and then he says, what are you doing here? And he holds him to court, and he said, I found this adulterer behind my wife's bed, and he tells him the story. So Omar Rava insists Shari, that if the wife says she didn't commit adultery, and this guy said he didn't do it, uh, we believe them. The isid of Nisura, because if he had committed adultery with the woman, then he would have let the husband eat it and die. If a person is so uncaring that they don't mind destroying another person's marriage, they're suspect that they don't mind killing a person. That in a certain way, they are killing him. They're destroying his life. That she's willing to destroy that person's, uh, has so little caring for that person that uh, he's going to go and, and, uh, um, and where do you see that? We can't make up as far. Like the Morris is actually a pasuk. The people that commit adultery, they're suspect that they'll kill. It's a, uh, it's a particularly heartless, uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, somebody who would do such a thing. Um, there's also an idea that if the husband catches them, they'll kill the husband. You know, they, 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 these people are very suspect. So um, the Morris said, uh, so the fact that he saved his life must prove that he really uh, didn't do it. So the Morris said, Chita, that's, uh, that's a good point. So why would I assume that he did it? Uh, that if he was really the adulterer, wouldn't he want to kill him so he could have the woman? So Gemara said, Madu surah of it. Really, he committed adultery. And so then why did he save the life of the husband who he would have wanted to get out of the picture? He prefers that he doesn't die. He, some people, they like adultery. They, they like the fun of, uh, I call it fun, they like the fact that she was married. And so this way he can sneak and have relations with a married woman. And so he's not going to kill this, the husband uh, in order that he can do something forbidden. Forbidden fruit tastes sweet. If it wasn't forbidden, he wouldn't be... A, and again, there are many people, believe it or not, who do things just because they're forbidden. They have, it's the challenge. It's the challenge. And so maybe that's the reason that he left him alive. And they like to eat forbidden fruits. Kamash Malon, we don't go that far. And uh, we assume that if he saved his life, that, and he claims that he didn't have, wasn't intimate with the woman, we believe him. Saving a life just shows us that there is still a good, some good spark in this person's heart, and so we're not ready yet to believe the worst. Hadrin Lach of Eilin Nedorim, Slichaleh, Misachtas Nedorim.